All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for Karis Bible Study here in Newport News, Virginia. And we are on lesson 17 in the A Better Way to Pray series. Now, this, this subtitle here for this lesson is a little weird, okay? Don't let it throw you off. It says, shoot him again. Shoot him again. That's the subtitle of our lesson. Now, now what, what hymn do you think we're talking about? Shoot him again. It's not the turkey at Thanksgiving. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. I'm not even gonna go there because we've been talking about food all, yeah. all the way up all right, all the to terms. the meeting. All right, so let's get in the spirit. Let's go to John four. John chapter four, and we'll be starting there. Let's look at verse twenty-one to twenty-four. John four. Verses 21 to 24. All right. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. And this is the woman at the well. All right. Verse 21. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when... It will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is his spirit, and so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, we look in that verse 24, all right, where it says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, all right? So when we talk about the spirit realm, now we understand that the spirit realm is we can't see the, the realm of the spirit with our natural physical eyes. But the spirit realm is the parent of the natural realm that we see with our natural eyes. Right. Now, when we read this verse. Those who worship him, worship the Lord, must worship in spirit and in truth. What are you hearing? When Jesus says this, that there's a deeper connection than simply intellectual. That's the worshiping spirit. It's deeper than just for your mind. Okay. All right. That's the sense. Yeah, it's still a mystery. I think. Think about you and uh, some of the things we went through. The things with breathing. You can't breathe, you die. Or you think you're dying. Well, actually, I thought I really was. Um, it's a sense. I said, <clears throat> I had said here, um, I could not break through. I couldn't seem to reach into the supernatural realm. I had said it before because the breathing was getting me. Ah. So powerful. It was so powerful. 
and it, they were encouraged me. They were saying, and I was trying to get through it, but the, the breathing was was my senses for for breathing was too much. And I said it was in the spiritual realm, but you know it's already there. Just couldn't seem to because the senses was in the way. So I wasn't fighting. I was ready to go, but she wouldn't let me. <laughs> really, I was thinking, man, heaven's a nice place, you know. I've I'm real. I'd really like to be there. And she wouldn't let me go. Um, I think if we add the, you know, like worshiping the spirit and the truth, like also like all the religion that went on back then, like he was talking about, you know, God's a spirit, they had worship us, worship in the spirit and in truth, like the truth part that, you know, everybody back then they thought they were worshiping God by we said, you know, the, the Pharisees, they, every letter of the law, they even had the, you know, like scrolls in front of their eyes and stuff. But he was saying, you know, I mean, you know, to add on to the spirit part, you know, that, that once you get that, then it's in truth. And then you're really worshiping from your heart. And you have this commandments written on your heart and it comes out in definite truth, not just like fakey, you know, so. That's good. There's a lot in there. That's good. Yeah, but Okay. Okay. What um, Mary was saying about, you know, that the fight that she was having when, you know, the enemy was trying to rob her of her healing, of her health. How the physical, the physical realm, all the physical symptoms were, were dominating the thoughts, right? Because yeah. of the, the natural circumstances that, that were occurring. And if not before the word that was implanted, and the the prayers of the saints will we be looking at Miss Mary today? No. Right. So when we were talking about the power of the word, and we're talking about how the spirit realm and it is the parent realm, it has authority over what we see in our natural natural mind, then it, it, it gives us the understanding that, okay, there's more to this life that we're living than what we can hear, touch, taste, see, and feel with all these natural senses, right? Now, does it mean that these senses are evil or something is wrong with them? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's just that they are our connection to the three-dimensional three world that we live in right now. But they don't have authority over who we are in the spirit, right? So we have the understanding that we are tripart beings, right? Spirit, soul, body. Yeah. We are spirit. We have a soul, mind, which is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we have a physical body, all right? And the spirit realm is where the our foundation is. That's, that's the everlasting part of us and our soul as well. But now this physical body is on temporary assignment here in this this three-dimensional world that we live in. Now, when Jesus says, 
those that worship shall worship in spirit and in truth. Like what Julie was saying, it goes beyond mere rule keeping, mm -hmm. right? It goes beyond religious ceremony or tradition. It is a spirit to spirit, soul interaction with God the Father. And we have that, we have access to that. Why? Through the Word. Through the Word. Through the incarnate Word. Mm -hmm. Jesus Himself, because He's the one that made it possible for man to have direct communion with the Father, yeah. right? I love it, if I may add to you, that he was talking to a woman who really, really was starved for, like, true relationship and true love. And, you know, just saying that account that she was, you know, divorced five times, wasn't even with someone who was her husband, no commitment, and it was... You know, just, she was probably just sitting there at first a little weary, but probably just like hanging on every word he said, you know, like, like, what is this, you know, but this is a thought. That's good. That's good. And I want to, I'm going to piggyback on it a little later too. Now I'm looking at our outline because a lot of times we, when we talk about the spirit versus the soul versus a body. When, we, when we're dealing with challenges in our physical body, that's one of the things that demands our attention. Now, I'm reading my, one of the points on the outline says, when we ask for healing, God gives it to us in the spiritual form inside our spirits, the very instant we believe him for it. All right, now let's, now remember, by his stripes, we were healed. Right. So that means that it, it does belong to us in the spirit. He already bought and paid for. So what is what is Andrew saying here in with this point? When he says God gives it to us in the spiritual form inside our spirits, the very instant we believe him for. It. Like once we receive that word, I mean once we take hold of and believe it, then it's a done deal. So we receive it through the word that we just spoke. Um, by his stripes, we are healed. To so me, it's, it's the done. same thing that Mary did when the Holy Spirit spoke to her. Right. She heard the word. She received the word. Mm -hmm. She conceived the word. Mm -hmm. And it actually became flesh. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that word manifested in Mary's body. Right. And that's how I see what, that's our role, to believe what it says mm -hmm. till we conceive that word and, and then it'll show. I've received it both ways. I've been healed miraculously from a couple of things, and that's a wonderful thing. And I've also been so sick that I had to go to the hospital. And uh, the Lord showed me something recently that with this heart, if I had this heart thing six or seven years ago, I wouldn't have went to the hospital. I'd have died in that bed. I mean, that's how, how hard-headed I was that, no, he heals, period. I wouldn't go to a doctor. And uh, I had to go through some things in order to go there. So I now I'm thinking, if I'm not at a place where I can receive, he'll work through a doctor and help me. 
and, and there's no shame in that, you know. Where years ago, I, I would have thought there was shame in it. That's true. What father or mother would, like, make their kid, you know, like, well, you can't believe for him. Well, I'm just going to let you sit there and suffer. You know? <laughs> and I don't think he, they're going to, like, do anything they can to get their child well. So. But you would think once you can believe for divine healing that you could always believe for it. And Each time is different. With me, it was different. That's right. Each time is different. Right. And see, and, that, and that's, that's the difference between walking in the spirit, being sensitive to the spirit, versus being a law-keeping faith person, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because, and he used the word shame. Now, when is shame ever a good motivation for anything? Mm -hmm. No. It's condemnation. Right. Fear, condemnation. All these things, because and and you know if you if, depending on what type of spiritual culture or you know church culture you come up in, there are certain traditions and and philosophies that come with that. Now, if you're a word of faith person, and you you don't you're not sensitive to the the variety of ways the Holy Spirit can administer healing to you or whatever you, whatever you need. If you're not sensitive to these things, but you are a letter of the law, I will confess the word and I will stand and that's it, mm -hmm. Christian, then you can get to a place where your confession and your faith walk becomes a self-righteous work. Right. And then you have the other side of the coin where you have another religious condition um, tradition where they'll say well whatever will be will be god is you know he works in mysterious ways he may want to heal you he may not <laughs> and it's like in in that in that environment you pray for healing thinking that it's out there somewhere with little to no confidence that you will receive it's almost like shooting craps. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, may, maybe I'm a hit today, maybe I won't. But now, in, with that type of mindset, then how can I be? How can I boldly come before the throne of, of grace, which we are instructed to do? Because if I don't know what the will of God is, yeah. right? So, me knowing the will of God, okay, for me to be healed. That being set in stone, but being open to whatever avenue the Holy Spirit needs to take me to get to that place. Right. So in coming up in word of faith, we got the destination right. We understood what the promise was. But the issue is turning turning religious formulas, turning faith confession into a work. Like I, I'm going to stand on the word. I don't need no medicine. I don't need no doctor ever. That's not mm -mm. necessarily the case for everybody. Yeah. And and it could be it can change in your own life in different seasons and different different moments, depending on what you're coming up against. So. Again, and, and it sounds like, you know, we, we when we when we dig into this stuff, we 
almost sound like a broken record when we talk about being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It always comes back to that, mm -hmm. being sensitive to the voice of the Holy, the leading of the Holy Spirit and being being open to, to hear from him, e even in, in seemingly unconventional ways. Right? This thing when I was released from the hospital on a Thursday, mm -hmm. I didn't tell her it was around five something, and he had, I, actually I was afraid to go home because my it was so hot in the air downstairs not working properly. Mm -hmm. So he said, "I can't keep it any longer." He said, "But I want to send you home and then you get back here." So he was saying that, but that was it. And <clears throat> when we got to leave, I never told her. When we got out to the car, I told her, "You know, it's still enough time." Go to Bible study, and she goes, "Really?" Because she was expecting, you know, you're weak. All this uh -huh. stuff happened. You need to go home and get in the bed. You know, or just go sit in the chair. And I told her, "I go, I really, really want to go." And I go, and then it's all these things. You need to go. You know, go. I go, but the same one that said you you can't fight this anymore. Go ahead and get help. It's okay, because I told him, too, that that morning I heard uh, Raquel Hudson, she told her story, you know, about what happened. She was, don't be ashamed. Exactly, she was, don't be ashamed. If you need to go this avenue, God wants you well. Don't, just don't worry about that for right now. So the same voice was saying, you're at an impasse, go. But I'm sitting there in the chair, and he wheeled me out, and I'm thinking, I go, it was just rising, I go, I got, I want you to really go. I'm really tired. I'm, oh, I'm not tired, tired, because I've been resting so much, but she's so tired. And I'm like, something may I go, I'm go. That's what people heard. I can hear people, and I'm going, you should go home, Mary. And I, but I heard, I don't care what they say. So I told her, she was, what do you want? I said, let's go. So we sent him a text. We said, we don't know what he's going to say. He might go, oh, it's okay, Mary, go home. Mm -hmm. You know, just watch us. He goes, yay, can't wait to see you. <laughs> I said that's in the in the spiritual realm. It's like that's what I, what she was saying. It's like she's stepping out of faith. Come. You should text it back. Yes, I'm coming in an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But I love she's good. What do you want? I know I needed to be here. Yes, I just sat here and it felt so good. Yeah. Yep. And I, I didn't regret one bit. I no. Want you go home, go home. No. I mean, this is what I needed more than home and the TV. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna watch, you know, watch computer or screen or something. Watch. No, I don't want to be here. Right. Something about being in person. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Because there's a there's an atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, faith of uh, atmosphere mm -hmm. of faith. Right, where you got like-minded people. What Jesus said, "With two or three are gathered together in my name, there yeah, I am in the midst." And see, the same thing has happened since because I've been through all this stuff. It's going, you know, one step at a time, getting back up to here. And I was going. I've had hardly anybody check on me, and most knew what happened. I've had very hardly, really, no family, and just a few people here and there. It was the right ones. And at first it would just make me cry. I go, why? Why does people not care? I said, I care about them. And then recently, just a couple days maybe ago, um, last time I heard God was saying, he goes, 
being around, especially if you're around a few like-minded people who want to lock arms with you and do the work, then they have a whole bunch of people, well, well, uh, uh, it's hereditary, it's this, it's this, mm-hmm. it's this. And I go, I don't want to hear that. And God's going, I don't want you to hear that. Mm-hmm. They love you, they care. Don't let the enemy um, make you think they don't care about you. But somehow I'm having a little bit of, help, of, of work in here. Distraction. Like Distraction. To not have them come. Not that they don't care. It's yep. just, oh, well, I need to check. You good? I'm good. You know, it's like across the, the, the yard of this little country. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay. Keep on going. See, if, I, if I'm sicker in the hospital, I would tell people, show me that you care by not visiting. Because when you're in there and you're really under it, I mean, you've got to kind of pull yourself up and try to be pleasant. And it's the last thing you want to do. You know, you you know, you just had surgery and you're all drugged yeah, up. Yeah, you feel like. And you want you want people to come in, and you you, you want to think, no, just leave me, just leave me rest. <laughs> just bring me rest. We had I only had a few visitors, and it's the ones I needed. Even if they weren't believers, it was the right, the right mindsets that, that came. And a church we used to go to, we had a guy who was really sick for a long time, and he stood up and said, "I want to give thanks to the people that visited me in the hospital." And he said, "I want to give special thanks to the people that did not visit me." And I thought, I know just where you're, he, he was feeling real bad and he didn't need all those people in there. <laughs> now, if, now if, you, if you hear that, right, like somebody in, in you know, in social media, Miami, like, that guy's kind of mature. What is he talking about? <laughs> but what, what, what he's talking about really, honestly, is it's about being, being in the atmosphere of where of, of faith. Being in an atmosphere where the the things of the spirit can grow and dominate your attention instead of the negativity and the carnality, yeah. right? We've had friends who were in those situations, and they, in order to protect spouse or child, they did not allow. They they controlled who came into the room. That is awesome because they were guarding. That spirit of faith. I know. Because you can imagine the garbage that people bring in. Yeah, even can, some believers. Even a doctor knows sometimes. I've heard, I mean, sources they go, you can tell me what you want, but you can tell me out in the hall. I don't want them to yeah. nothing negative. There's a family member we have, and I love him to death. And he was over here, this, I don't think he knows who it would be, but doesn't, I love my family. But he told me a couple years ago at a family reunion, he was like, yeah, honey, you're in your 30s now. You wait till you get 50. You're going to go all downhill by then. I'm like, he's a believer. He loves Jesus. But I'm thinking, yeah. like, you don't know how to live like that, though. And I'm just like sitting there going, if I argue, I mean, you know, Melissa, I'm just like, this is yeah. my older, you know. And like, we're uh-huh. when the person in the hospital bed is in a fragile condition, you don't need that unbelief okay. and ungodly stuff being spoken of. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, now, now, some, some, now somebody listening may be thinking, well, where is all this stuff in the Bible? What, y- what y'all talking about? Uh, Jesus did it. Yes, he did. Let's go to Matthew 9. Yeah. Matthew 9, and we're going to start at verse 18. All right, starting at verse 18, going down to verse 26. And Jesus was saying this, the leader of a 
synagogue came and knelt before him. My daughter just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. So Jesus and his, his disciples got, got up and went with him. Just then a woman who had, suffered, who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. Verse 23, when Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. 24, get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. After the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. So what did we see Jesus do in the atmosphere? He saw there's, there's a bunch of folk out here making a bunch of noise. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think personally that their noise affected his faith, but it might mine. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. The family. Well, yeah. He's they're distracted. He wanted distractions for them to be away so they could concentrate on what he was saying. Right. And, you know, Terry says I'm big, too, because of the, 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 the place that the parents hold in their natural authority over their child. Yes. So, so what is. their heart condition is, is what matters. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. So you get, all, contamination. you get all that noise out the way. He told me, get out. That is now, interesting, yeah. Because you see who went and got him. Father. Right. So obviously, faith was in operation mm -hmm. already. Because yeah. the father pursued Jesus. Right. So they were coming back to the house. There was an atmosphere of unbelief all around that girl. So Jesus gets there. And what does he do? He cleans house. Y'all got to go. Get out of here. Yeah. And sometimes you're grossly misunderstood because from what we've been through, I'm very selective, the people that I even let know what's going on because you just don't want all that. Oh, did you hear about you? I don't want all that released so into the atmosphere. I told him I didn't on the Facebook. Yeah, oh, and, I, I, and you're not trying to think you're better than anybody else. It has nothing to do with that. It's just protecting the truth, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about a testimony. Well, a sad, actually, story. And kind of tied with a testimony. Um, uh, Andrew Womack was talking about one time that um, first he had talked about uh, Hannah Teradez that was healed of um, like the internal, like the disease where, you know, the ones that in Britain, well, Ashley and Carly Terrence, their daughter. Um, and he talked about, he said he knew of a similar, like, family. Well, they had a similar case. And the daughter had the same sickness or really bad. Like, she was, like, at that she was the same. same. Yeah. She was old. And it was, bit. like, the parents were divorced. I think yeah. that mom was a believer. And yeah. she got healed. Yes. Like, completely healed. Well, you're right. But the father, yeah, the father still, I mean, not that he hated, you know, he loved his daughter, but he was in that belief system. 
And he wanted her to still take medicine, and he wanted her to still go that way. She ended up dying. They were in the group. When she was with the mother, she was she was she was thriving without it. And he goes, "No, I want her to take that medicine." I'm sure he did. And she had like her hands were like tied because he had his rights too, and she died. Whereas they were both Ashley and Carly Terrible speaking like they were together beyond having Andrew pray because they said you know Satan tried to come back and they were like. No, choking stop. No, you're healed, you know. And she walked out. She just got married recently, actually. So, you know. We saw that in the healing room. We had a young woman with Lou Gehrig's disease, and she would come and get prayer and get strengthened, and she was full of faith. But then she would go home, and we heard later after she passed that family members stood around her bed and in front of her planned her funeral. Oh and just spoke negative, and, and and she was in the house, and she could hear them saying, "I can't believe I got to take her to the doctors three times next week, and I got to do this, I got to do that." And she made her feel like just a terrible burden, you know. But she was full of faith and wanted to live, and she get so excited. We we prayed for her every week, and yeah. something about being around faith, mm-hmm. right? It's the power of agreement, mm-hmm. right? You know. Um, I think uh, Jesus showed us an excellent example of how to do it, you know, in that situation, you know, protecting, you know, that individual and protecting the faith and kind of keeping unbelief out of the room. But could it be even that it was necessary for him to do it? And I, and I only say that is because um, I, I can't think exactly where it is in one of the Gospels. Um where he talks about the unbelief in the town. I, I don't remember if it's his own town or not, but it says he could only lay hands on a few, on a few, few people few. and heal them because of the unbelief in the town. So a miracle of this magnitude seemed to not even be able to be accomplished because of so much unbelief. As you said earlier, ain't nothing wrong with Jesus' face. Right. But because of that atmosphere was he couldn't do but like he said, a few miracles. I think he could. I think the yeah. reason I think the reason he couldn't is he was in his hometown and they were saying, We know you, you're the illegitimate child of Mary and Joseph. Yeah. And we don't want to, we don't want you laying hands on us. I, I think very you? few people yeah. asking to be healed. And the ones that did, they were healed. Right. Right. I think it was the attitude of the people in his hometown. Like if I went back to my hometown, I might have a reception like that. Right. So it's like, okay. So just to give an example. All right. So let's say I, me or Eric or anybody, right. We are um, out in the, out in, in the field catching passes. All right. Let's say Tom Brady is throwing the ball. Best quarterback ever. Right. So regardless of where I am on the field, as long as I have my arms open, my hands open, it's pretty, it's pretty good odds that he's going to hit the target. That ball's going to be there. The ball is going to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to be in a position to receive. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus, the word in flesh, there's nothing wrong with his faith. Yeah. And he has already declared what his will is. For you to be healed, mm-hmm. right? For you to be made whole, for you to be well, spirit, soul, and body, yeah. right? Now, 
The only thing that's going to stop that is me being like in this posture or in this posture here. Mm -hmm. I can't receive nothing with my back mm -mm. to the one that is giving, the one who is the, the source, right? Yeah. And that's what's happening with them folks in that, in that incident right mm -hmm. there, right? They looking at Jesus like, who is he? He, he, he man, I, I saw him coming up with Mary and them. I, I, come on, he ain't nobody. They, they're not in a position to receive. Andrew talked about it too. He had like an example like he used with him, you know, throwing passes. And he said that if you're a car, like I'm showing you a car, and he goes, you could be in drive. He goes, if you're in neutral, I can at least push you, you know. But if you're in reverse, you know, you're just like a bark, he right. can't, you know, he can't join his faith with you or God, you know, whatever. Right, right. Because if you, if your car is parked, it means you you set. Well, at least you sit about catching the ball. At least you're going. At least you have a chance. It's going. It's right. going to go right here. If he's a good. Right. When he throws it, it's going to come here. Right. Just, he can get it right here. Right. He can he can throw it just right where it won't bounce off and go on the right. It just I can boom it up all right. At least you're you know attempting to be sitting. Right. And see, in this, and it just it it speaks to the importance of our eye gate, ear gate, mouth gate, all that, you know, just those avenues. All right, so let's go to John 6. John 6, and we're going to start at verse 61 and go down to verse 64. In the New Living Translation, it says that this is this is when Jesus is talking to the disciples about his body and the bread and the wine and, and his blood, right? They're giving the, the, the illustration of communion, him being the source of our, our sustenance. Verse 61 says, Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? 63. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. In parentheses, it says, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. He says his words are spirit and life. So obviously, if I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth, if I'm going to be in in, in, if I'm going to have my mind transformed, renewed, I need to get into what he said. He says his words are spirit and life. So words that are not in line with, with his words, what are they? Death. Carnality and death, right? Yeah. <clears throat> 
And this, it, it just speaks to all everything that we've talked about thus far, right? Just like the whole example with, you know, Jesus kicking out those folks. Because you got a bunch of popes, you know, they making a bunch of noise, they talking a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, they did their, their spiritual it, it, energy that they're carrying, like that negativity is setting the atmosphere to, to block the will of God from coming to pass. But once those folks were cleared out of that atmosphere, then Jesus and the parents and that girl were alone. And there was agreement there. And the miracle happened. You know what's happened to me too is <clears throat> the other thing what I'm saying is not having all these people come and it was a distraction was they don't care. No one cares. You could die and no one cares. I, I live in the country and have people in my yard, a family, and they walk on my nose coming to the door. I didn't have nobody come to my door really. Maybe one person. No, one of my great nieces did. After she found out that I was sick and had that something wrong, I said, here it is. All this distraction is. It was keeping me you know, so distracted. They didn't care. They didn't care. They didn't care. That God couldn't talk to me about why and that where he wanted to go from there. Because I'm too busy you know, being upset with them in the, in the natural way. They don't care. They don't care. The emotions were getting in the way. The ones that shouldn't be there. Once he began to work through all that and said, you know, I will take care of this. Um, I care. They care. They do care. And he finally got through to me and then they started talking to me. You know, now I can tell you what I want you to do. Or this is what happened and now you're here. You needed help to get you here. Now you can think clearly. And I'm getting you to a place that you needed to be for a long time. All the brokenness in your heart and stuff. Now I can work. Finally, getting my off the rejection, the rejection, trying to keep you distracted with mm -hmm. thoughts that are trying to, you know, the, the bad thoughts. Mm -hmm. He's got now they're all broke, or just about, you know, because he's trying to come and sneak in. He's going, mm -hmm. uh, 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 God cares, they care, but there was there was reason why he was doing this, mm -hmm. and now I can, you know, I'm beginning to think clearer and I can hear his voice. More clearer, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that go. Sometimes it's not like, oh, I don't want you to do this or this. It's more like, I can't do that. And he goes, No, you hear it's like, No, that's good. I need you to. Go. It's more like you just. I just know I need to go this way. Mm -hmm. I only got. I'm only. This was just to get you through this crisis. Now there's there's another thing going on. Right. Yeah, and you you know you said something that really is it it hit is it hits all of us when we talk about relationship with people, and when there are things that happen with people, when there are hurts, there's rejection. Yes. You know that that is a that can become a a stronghold if we don't deal with that. And is and it, and these are like real life human issues, yeah, right? Are, right. And and scripture says, "Cast your care mm -hmm. on the Lord, because He cares mm -hmm. for you." Right. But what the enemy does, just like you, 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 what you illustrated, he'll get you to question the Lord's care for you, because you hear that voice like, "Well, if if you know if if God was really in this or really such and such, then why would you have to go through this?" Right? Why would the why are these people 
saying these things or why are they doing this? Right. All of this internal yeah. dialogue that can happen. And, you know, we got to deal with that. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that I turn into a faith robot and say, OK, well, bless Lord. Yes. This doesn't bother me, such and such. When I know it does, but I just don't give it a. I, I, we are called. We acknowledge it, but we don't put it on the throne. Yeah. It's like okay, I'm hurting. I don't know why X Y Z has happened. Why such and such person said what they said or did what they did. But Lord, I get this to you. It's too much for me. I don't understand it, but help me to walk through this and keep my eyes on you. See, if we can remain, if we can keep that posture, then we're in a place where we can continue to receive and hear that that guidance and wisdom into what's really going on in, in situations. Yeah, yeah. I was telling mom today we were talking last night when the days ran together. I got a early babysit from cousin, but anyways, it was we were talking about unforgiveness, and I was just raw sharing this with mom. I go, I think. For me personally, just being raw testimony, something that helped me or has helped me, I'm still working on it, forgiving some people from my past that really, really hurt me, including in a former church in a crucial time in my life, was realizing God's character. Like, it really helped because I think deep down I used to blame God about, like, why didn't this person befriend me or be a real, like, why was I the weirdo in youth group and nobody invited me to stay over? Why did the youth leaders favoritize, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like, God, you know, more and more I realized that God should be. I was like, you know, I may have wanted you in that church because God had specifically told me, specifically told mom and then my friend Dennis, that individually he wanted us there, but we never really prayed about like how involved we need to be yeah. and, and why he wanted yeah, us there. And God showed me, goes, I want yeah. you there, I want you there, I want you there. And God showed me, I was oh, trying okay. to push into people. No offense to them, I don't mean they're bad people. It's just mm -hmm. they were on a different journey. And God showed me like, like including, I was saying this, my friend Dennis, I was talking about, he's my brother, he's the best friend I ever had in my life, and I go, God showed me, it's like, he wanted me to meet him a long time ago and not depend on the other people that didn't need to be, you know, and when I saw that, I go, you know, and I even had a prophecy, quote, unquote, back in that time, I saw mom, well, she knew, but I was remembering it, I go, some dude prayed over me, and he, he prayed some really good stuff over mom and I, like, right before that, and it was, it was according to the word, I still believe it was, but then right after, he prayed over me individually and said, God's going to start messing with your world to see how dedicated you are to the call of intercession. <laughs> and I was already rejected by some of the kids. They got worse. So I ended up so being laying on my floor back then, crying a couple months later, going, like, God, why did you do this to me? And even back then, God was trying to shine through the doctrine. I remember, like, hearing in my heart, you were rejected before that prophecy came. So you're trying to show me even then. But when I realized that God was so good, he had great friends, I just missed it. I was like, it helped me forgive these people more. And even though I, mean, I still struggle, but it's like, well, you know what? It's God had something so much better. And now I have that, you know, just as a note, you know, really knowing God's character can, I think, help with forgiveness. When I got saved, uh, I owned a business in the town. And uh, like I was the kind of guy I'd go into a bar and buy everybody a drink, you know, and, and I had a business at Christmas time. I'd get, you know, 15, 20 bottles of whiskey and drugs and everything else. People would be bringing me gifts. I got saved. I didn't have a friend in town. And you know what? It didn't bother me at all. And to this day, it doesn't bother me. If God brings you in my life, that's wonderful. If he doesn't, I don't get concerned about it. 
It's just you know he meets your needs. I don't. I just don't have any. I went through that, you know, from day one. Like from my house to downtown was about four blocks. And when I decided I was going to get good and drunk, I'd leave my keys home and walk. Well, I never made it to the bar. Somebody always picked me up and gave me a ride. Well, after that, if I was just walking uptown just to go shopping, nobody picked me up. And after they knew I got saved, they ride by and, and, and like their heads would go this way and Bob's over there. I mean, it was just the way it was, but I was fine with that. You know, I was I was I was happy with that. I, I don't need those people in my life. I've had it with someone hurt me since the Adam that one more thing I go. I go, one friend I was she was like my best friend in youth group and best friend in youth group and I go, she ended up ultimately it just didn't work out very well and she went through some things too, but I was like, gosh, she was my best friend. It's like God's like had to talk to me about this, like, are you talking to her now? Are y'all friends? I'm like, no, we're not even on Facebook. It's like it wasn't what you thought. That's not who I had. Did you ever ask me? It was like condemning, it's just Showing me that's not that level I was at. It's like if you had asked me, I'd have had three thousand times better friends for you personally. And I'm like, when you realize how good God is, He's better. It's like, oh, who cares about those people? You know. <laughs> I mean, not that. I heard that today though. That I mean, I never looked at it this way, but I said when it comes to forgiveness, it's, it's not weakness; it's a weapon. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I grabbed that, now that's like, okay, yeah. forgiveness is not a weakness. We look at it as weakness. But it's a weapon that God gives us yeah. to protect us. It says, okay, hey, you know what? It takes a lot. Yeah, it's not like, yeah. oh, so I'm weak, I'll just forget. When you look at it as a I weapon, forgive. it's like, okay, and not against them, but it's for you to say, okay, yeah. protect us. Hey, yeah. you know, this is not. You meet people that can't forgive, and they've got arthritis, they've got all kinds of things yeah. going on in their bodies. Yeah, it's protection. Yeah. Oh, true. So, and you got to forgive. By the way, I retract that. I do care about those people. I pray blessings on them. Just that I don't care about how they treat me. I'm not talking about that. I said it wrong. Sorry. I like that. That's real good. I mean, because you, you talk about, because think about offense. Offense is an offense as a, as a dart, right? Something happens in a situation or relationship. That dart goes in. It penetrates you, Right? So there's there's a there's an injury there. There's a hurt. Now, what forgiveness does? It takes out the arrow, puts the healing balm, mm-hmm. and it allows it to to heal, and in some cases, grow back even stronger than it was before it got hit. Now, the exact opposite. Holding on to the bitterness. It's like taking the dart, looking at it, pulling it out, and poking it back in again. Yeah. Every time you think about it, you poke it back in. Yeah. Every time you think about it, you pull it out and put yeah. it back in. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is the the original injury is bad enough. But the rumination is what gets you. Because once it once it's in there, there's a seal there. So bacteria and other stuff doesn't have the same amount of uh, opportunity to get in and corrupt you as it does when you pull it out. Look at it. And then put it back in. Because it's opened up to the air now. Mm-hmm. So more bacteria can get in and then do more damage. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, forgiveness is certainly a weapon. Right? Yeah, forgiveness is hard. <laughs> sometimes you can be going through the act of t- making things turn around and inside you're thinking 
I'd just like to bust his nose right now. And inside, you're saying, "Here, brother, here's you know you you're giving him the, the flowers, you know." And you, but but eventually, all those feelings leave, right. and everything and everything comes comes down. Right, and this is why you you know when we put the word first, mm -hmm. we can see that thing through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that illustration that Gene just 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 made. That self-talk can come and say, you ain't really being real anyway. You're being phony. You're not really forgave that person. Look at how phony you are. You know you want to punch him in the nose. You want to jack him up. You want to cuss him out. What you doing that for? You phony. Right? But putting the word first place and saying, you know what? Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I know emotionally I'm dealing with some stuff right now. But I'm in a position to bless this person, right? So let me, let me, I'm gonna do that. Mm -hmm. Now you're doing that. Why? You're doing that because you, you, you want to act on the word, right? Mm -hmm. That's not hypocrisy. That's fighting the good fight. That's faith. faith. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Now, it can be a work if I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna give this person. Um, these sweet potato pies because if I do, God gonna bless me. <laughs> right. Look now, I'm I'm looking at what I'm I'm trying to earn something instead of instead of acting in faith to say, okay, you know what, I I am already blessed, and I want to act on the word, even though my emotions are going crazy. So I'm gonna do X Y Z. Well, you're doing kind of the internal ordinance. Um, I just saw. He said, I'm not, he says, I believe God did it at the very instant I asked. I received his answer when I prayed, but I'm not willing to let it stay there in the spirit realm. So in your instance, forgiveness is the spirit realm. And what you're doing by acting on it, then you're bringing that into manifestation to me. And, and it's just a battle with your flesh. Your carnality wants to do one thing, but you're going to let the spirit manifest in your life by acting on this, the spiritual impulses or the word. Yeah, that's good. Like, now I want to ask you, because I know when I studied this, I know we talked about last week how we, we talked about today how once you speak, it's already done in the spirit realm. But then Andrew talked about staying with it until you see the manifestation. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you balance that out? Because I'm saying, you know, that maybe, I guess, in this case, the Holy Spirit, did you? It's, it's him that when you, in some cases, you keep attacking it, teach the manifestation. In other cases, you speak it and you know it's a manifestation, but you know it's done. And so you go on. Hmm. All right. Well, let's look at some more details. Give a, give an example of a situation. An example? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't like he gave an example. Um, he was praying for a young lady and um, I guess her feet were swollen and one of them was wrong. 
but the other one stayed. So he says, but he kept speaking until the other one came. Was not swollen either. Okay. And maybe like with forgiveness too, back like with you know, believe in God and trust in him, you know, and tapping into the spirit. I got to thinking about I believe if I'm not getting the details wrong, to, uh, Corey Tim Boom that were hiding place, um she had talked about in one part like later when she was, you know, long after being in, you know, um uh, you know, the concentration camps and stuff, she um she was ministering somewhere years later and one of the prison one of the guards was there and they came up and talked to her. One of the ones that was like, you know, was over her. And well, she lost her sister. She saw atrocities. She suffered some of them. And she said, like, when the person went to shake her hand, like, the guard, she literally, like, everything in her, like, body, she didn't want to do it. But it was, she said it was the Holy Spirit had me. She reached out and shook the hand. And then I think it just, and they had a great conversation. And that person that came to the Lord and everything, I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just have a guy called me to fix his car. And I mean, it got to where he called me at 2 o'clock in the morning, saying, I'm in a parking lot somewhere. My car won't start. I really need your help. And as months went by, this wore on me. And I was praying about it. And I was mad at this guy. And uh, the Lord spoke to me. I, I had an old car that I was going to trade in and buy another car. So I called this guy on the phone. I said, you know that car I'm driving? He said, yeah. I said, you want it? Do I want it? Yeah, I want it. I said, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give it to you. But there's a condition that comes with it. He said, what's that? said, you never call me to fix it. He said, you got a deal. <laughs> and it fit. It stopped it. But you imagine somebody calling you 2 o'clock in the morning, come fix the car. You know? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, looking at those two situations, right? You know, you, you're conversing with the Holy Spirit. And, and in the situation that Julie was talking about, how you you put yourself in a position to to yield to the Holy Spirit, regardless of what's going on here, right? Now, getting back to what, you know, Eric was asking, like looking at that situation, it, it, it the correct answer is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit yeah. at the end of the day. Because in the natural, like with, with all the information I, I, I can gather with my physical eyes, I'm like, okay, we see some manifestation with this one foot. But this other one still swole. Okay. Now, in this in this situation, I don't know what's going on with this other foot. I don't know what's going on in this person's heart as she's seeing this. I don't know what the the temperature is of the people around that are watching. It could be some witches in there that's trying to, you know, mm -hmm. speak against anything that's being done. Right. I don't know any of that. I'm not privy to all of that. But the Holy Spirit knows. Yeah. He knows. So there could be I could I could be in this exact same situation and get get a specific instruction or feel led to do something one way and be in a different atmosphere, same same scenario, and be told to do something else. Okay. Cause I know and, and it's, I guess he when you read the book, it makes it the appearance is, you know, just keep fighting. And I know, I don't know what you're saying, but you know, when you read the book, it makes it sound like he's like just there, 
This right. is the way to do it. This is the way to do it. Right. You know of the course. other comment that he makes though, and I know Keith Moore is a big proponent of this. He says, Don't pray, don't speak to situations, don't say anything until faith, faith is there. Yeah, faith. And a lot of times we probably all have. When something starts hurting, I just pounce on it. Now, my faith may increase the third day. Right. So we're not always in the same place. That's why I'll keep going after something because the first time I attack it, maybe my faith isn't as strong. And then I'll get mm -hmm. into some healing scriptures and just keep renewing my mind. And so I'll keep blasting that thing. But um, Keith always says, don't wait. Wait and you you know when you're ready to release your faith. That's good. Because sometimes you could just be confessing the word for That's yourself. That's all you're doing, exactly. You're doing it for yourself because you're 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 trying to you're trying to shield your yourself from your own unbelief from getting from 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 the the negative circumstance talking back to you. So you're trying you're just proactively confessing to protect your own heart, right? So is there something wrong with that? Ooh, no, you better do it. I was going to ask you that question. No, no, not at all. Because I'm I'm not asking for something in that in in that scenario because we already know what God's will is. Mm -hmm. His will is what healing, mm -hmm. wholeness. Yeah, we're bringing to our own remembrance what His will is. Right. So so in in that in that scenario, I am just confessing the word to combat that to not give unbelief a chance to rise up on the inside of my heart. That's that's all I'm doing. The, when he talks to me to do stuff, a lot of times it's the last thing I want to do. I had somebody stole something from me that was firewood, and I found out who it was. And I was angry, and I was strutting around, going, "Man, I, I want to go! I want to go confront this guy! I want to go take him on!" And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "I want you to buy him some wood and have it delivered." And I said, "Only you can think like that, you know? It's like, only you." So. I did, and I did it mad, but I did it to, to obey. And as time went by, that wound went away. And, and the guy doesn't have a clue that I knew he's the one that did it. You know, I mean, and it, it's all fine. And uh, yeah. the Lord is just smart if you listen to him and you don't let yourself get in the way. That's good. Yeah. I know Julie was saying earlier, you know, how important it is to know God's character. And that's another one of those points where it seemed like, man, are we ever going to get past this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's foundational. But it, it, it truly is foundational, right? Yes. Because that's one of those areas that the enemy attacked He in the garden. So he don't have no, no new game plan. So if you can, if you can set yourself and be settled in understanding that regardless of what you see or hear, God is good and he loves you. Mm -hmm. See, I think that's in, that's so huge to know his character because I think it determines your level of intimacy. How intimate you become because if, you're, if you, you don't understand his character, if it's off, mm -hmm. then it's going to affect how intimate. How oh close. yeah, if you think he's up there with a fly swatter looking for you yeah. to screw up. So it's going, it's to, going to be different. Yeah. Able to close you, able to get you, or even hear you. Yeah. Because there are some know? people still think God's just sitting on the throne looking for somebody to, you know, to whack. Right. Yeah. 
and then it's going to also affect what you can believe for. Right. Because you're talking about if you don't, you don't know the healing is made available to you, then you're not going to release your faith for it. You said, and so you're going to be dealing with something that God never intended for you to deal with it, or maybe you pass away with something you never intended for because you didn't understand his character. So, you know, so that's why I'm going to, his character is so huge because mm -hmm. that determines how connected I can be with him. You know, and we know there is no limit to that. You know, you hear yourself to that. And back to what you were saying about needing to hear the Holy Spirit. One of the examples that he gave was when he was praying for the woman and he realized that her faith wasn't where it needed to be. And I've heard him. I've, we were at an Andrew meeting one time and he was praying for someone who wanted her eyes healed. And he perceived that she didn't have the faith really to receive that. So he just began ministering to her flesh and just telling her scriptures and just talking mm -hmm. to her to build her faith. And right. then he prayed and released his faith over her. Yeah. That's good. You know, concerning that, that partial healing that um, Eric was mentioning, I'm reminded of um, in scripture when uh, Jesus got a partial result and he was praying for the for the young man to, you know, to see, and then he only saw men as trees. And it's like, once again, Jesus changed the environment again. You know, this time, I guess, you know, he probably was outside anyway. So he didn't put anybody out, but he just, I guess, took the young man to the outskirts of the town and then prayed for him again. And he received his sight fully. So it seems like changing that environment again was key, you know, I guess the unbelief and, you know, just, you know, affecting what the young man could receive. Mm -hmm. That's good. And every time we talk about the, the you know, these, these things, it takes me back to the parable of the soil. Yeah. And there's a reason why Jesus said what he did about that parable. Yeah. All right. You don't understand this one? Now, thinking about what Julie was saying about, you know, the character of God and how important it is to understand that. Let's go to Proverbs 27 and 7. Twenty-seven. Mm -hmm. Proverbs twenty-seven and seven. And I'll, I'm gonna read this in the Passion Translation. It says this: When your soul is full, you turn down even the sweetest honey. But when your soul is starving, every bitter thing becomes sweet. Now, the that triggered me because I'm thinking about what Julie said and understanding, you know, how important it is for us to know that God's will is for us to experience that Zoe eternal life, to prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. If I know that and I and I and I just enjoy that time with him 
right? If I just receive that as my reality, then it, 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 it inoculates you from the temptations, the trappings of this life. Because yeah. Jesus said what? What did he say? I mean, what, what did he say through David? David says, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Why shall I not want? Because the Lord is my shepherd. If I believe this, and I and I fellowship with this reality every day, it is satiating. Because Jesus said, My words, they are spirit and they are life. If I'm feeding on that, then that that's that's that is that what it's doing is is setting the atmosphere for my my soul, mind, will, and emotions to be satisfied. So I won't be. Tempted by the bitter fruit. Yeah. But if I'm not getting that, then every bitter thing tastes sweet. Yeah, God works in mysterious ways, as we say. It just sounds so good. Because yeah. we don't there's think there's any really options. Inspirational yeah. things. Oh, and no one knows how much poison is in there. It just sounds good. Sounds good. Another sense sounds. I used to go Does it around. Stand up against this. Yeah. I used to go around a couple years ago, and I still sometimes will say it. Um, and I haven't arrived, but I've left. I'll say it that way. Things in life recently, you know, just working through things. I I remember going, like I can, I couldn't call God God. I would say true God. I just did. I mean, it's just something I coined. I go true. God. I thought I did. I go true God. Mom remembers it. I can't say God. I just say true God because I'm just so afraid of what God is to me for anybody. Who hasn't heard it? I know y'all have a million times, but however, I remember like it was so free one day reading John 17, 3. And I was just reading John, really like John, you know, it's a good book, and um, where Jesus said, like, and this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God. And I like about fell out my chair for like two days, I was in the clouds over that. I was like, Jesus called you the true God, of course, and knowing Jesus Christ when you sent. And then that was like it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't all about eternal, you know, like in heaven, it was about relationship because, and it really touched me in my life at that point because, you know, I've said it many times, like I was, I would have rather almost go to hell than to live for the God that I thought God was. And it was like, you know, there was no line, you know, there was a boundary line set and then God like really met me and that scripture was really a, a big thing in that. That's right. We're still in the hope. All right. All right. So we'll close Mark 8. 22 to 26. I'm guessing I was supposed to start with this in relation to this title, but <laughs> Mark 8, 22 to 26. All right, New Living Translation. It was just the verse Kevin was talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. 
They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored. And he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back to the village on your way home. Now we see, this just kind of recaps what we've already explored about the, the reality that us declaring the word or commanding the manifestation of God's reality over a situation in an, is not unbelief. Right, because there again, there are things going on that we can't necessarily see, but us calling forth the will of God in the situation is always the right thing to do. If we go all the way back to where we started when we talked about the Lord's Prayer, what is one of the portions of that? Thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're calling forth that which is God's will. And something interesting here, just look at, and, and this was probably, this was already mentioned in verse 23, says, the people brought the blind man to Jesus. All right, so he had some helpers that bring to bring him to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. All right, so he has some, so he had an atmosphere of friends that were standing like, look, we want to see him heal. Mm -hmm. All right. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Like Kevin had said earlier about the atmosphere. So there's definitely a running theme here about the atmosphere that, that we're around. It's important. Then he spit on the man's eyes, laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? And then, of course, we see the man saying yes, but the, the complete manifestation had, hadn't come yet. Now, again, is there something wrong with Jesus' faith? No, no. But there are just things going on that we are not privy to. Because I don't know what, we don't know what the heart condition of this man was. I know what Mike, Mike would have said. He spit in my eyes. I said, did you do what I just think you did? Why would you do that? I mean, that's what I would be thinking as a natural man. Yeah. You, you know? Right. You definitely would probably not receive your gift. <laughs> well, no, really. <laughs> but maybe that's why this guy didn't, you know. He's probably thinking, did he got offended? This is a famous healer. Did he just do what I thought he did? He's spinning my eyes. Yeah. Now, I mean, this sounds it sounds funny, but seriously, I mean, just put yourself these in people, that situation. These people had the same feelings we do. Right. And then verse 25, then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. It didn't say he spit again, though. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So he didn't do the same thing twice. I heard a guy preach that, and he said, this man didn't have any eyes. And when he put, he mixed the spit with 
with soil and put it in yeah, his eyes. That was that was what was necessary to recreate the eyeballs. And then the second time, but I don't know if I buy that. Well, I mean, like I said, that's all, that's all speculation. Is, he's he's taking he's taking creative license there. Yeah. He I did description on big time that. creative license. Go either way. Yeah. yeah. God knows. I mean, now obviously, if anybody you know could do it, what Jesus could, right? Mm-hmm. All right, that will be a creative miracle. Yeah, like, it's cool to do it this way this time. All right, but either or. The underlying theme of all this is to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. All right. And he and he will help us to navigate our own unbelief and the unbelief of others. Because mm-hmm. he knows it all. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.